G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. An important conversation and talking futuristic church expressions. Uh, You might be surprised on what is on the horizon. There's no doubt about it. The popular image of church is changing as the digital age continues to multiply processing capacity on the Internet. A conversation today about new pioneers in the Christian church innovating along with the development of new technologies. We may be on the verge of a new era for human connectivity. New terminologies are emerging that help us better comprehend the enormity of the growth. And we'll talk about some of those terminologies in just a few minutes. Now, it's not just church online. We've become accustomed to that. But virtual reality church, entirely in the metaverse. So how does the good news of God's love translate on new technology platforms? Well, our special guest today is the pioneer of virtual reality church, originally with a vision to plant physical churches, and now a vision to plant churches in the metaverse. DJ Soto is the Bishop of Virtual Reality Church and MMO Church. DJ Soto is joining us on the line from Fredericksburg in Virginia, a couple of hours south of Washington, D.C. DJ Soto, a special welcome along to 2020. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having us. Looking forward to the conversation. Hey, DJ, let's start with something fairly basic because new terminology is arising and some listeners may not be so familiar with the advent of the metaverse. When we talk about the metaverse, what are we talking about? Yeah, that's a great thing. We've we got to start there. I mean, think about the time when we first heard the word Facebook or somebody said, can you Google that? We were like, what are you talking about? So these terms usher in new eras, and we're at the brink of a new era yet again in computing called the metaverse. Uh, Web3 is more specifically the term that we might hear more often. And at the end of the day, you know, there's many definitions, and I think people are trying to figure out what the metaverse is and what's going to look like. But at its simplest form, it's a virtual reality space in which users can interact with a computer-generated environment and with other u- other users. So that's something we've never seen before. We've had chat rooms, we've had video chat, but now we're entering this Web3, this metaverse experience with a virtual reality, and one day very soon, augmented reality. So another term, yet again, mixed reality is going to be coming down the line. So Web3 is ushering in new terms, blockchain, metaverse, DAOs, VR, AR, you name it, and uh, the, the future is exciting. Looking forward to it. We might talk a few of those different expressions that are emerging. A lot of people who are in the gaming environment, lots more familiar with the way things might look, but some might be a little bit suspicious of church in an environment like that. Any thoughts around what you've seen over the past four or five years since you've moved into this space, uh, that people who are interested in a gaming environment, are they the sorts of people who are most attracted to the thought of a, of a metaverse church? 
You know what's interesting? It's actually the opposite. Like when we first started Virtual Reality Church, it was quite expensive back in 2016 to purchase virtual reality. It was at least a couple thousand dollars to get a nice computer. The VR was not cheap as well. So it really was for the disposable income crowd. So many of my leaders early on were over 40. They weren't gamers, but they were attracted to social VR. Uh, becoming an avatar, walking around these 3D generated spaces and interacting with each other. So surprisingly to people, they find that the origin of VR Church is not a gamer millennial experience. Now, that certainly is part of what we are experiencing now. But we saw throughout the years um, that kind of shifted to currently where we're serving all ages. And so um, yeah, like you said, people are trying to wrap their brain around church in the metaverse. The Maybe the knee-jerk reaction is, this isn't right, this isn't biblical, this doesn't sound right. And you know what? Fair enough. I think for church leaders, we look back at hundreds, maybe thousands of years of church history, and we've seen church done in a particular way. And so now Web3 is, is changing um, that paradigm, and we are entering into something new. So I can see why people would react, maybe have difficulty with it, but... At the end of the day, the experiences we're having are powerful, they're compelling, they're spiritual, um, there's transformation happening, discipleship. And once people go in and experience it for themselves, and that's really the key, um, you see the light bulb come on and a lot of attitudes begin to change once they do have that experience. DJ, you began preaching in virtual reality as far back as 2016. And from what I understand, only five people came to your first online service. Uh, What's happened since then? Yeah, I remember that very clearly. Uh, We had our first church service in VR. Five people came. But here's the thing. The first visitor was an atheist from Denmark. And I remember he came in and he said something like, hey, pastor, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in this stuff, but I'm curious to what this is all about. And the light bulb came on in that moment because as a physical church pastor, and I was a pastor at a church in Pennsylvania for many years, I'd never had an atheist just walk in the door outside of like maybe Christmas, Easter services. And that was unique to me. And it really stuck with me. And I got really excited about the potential of the uh, the technology, the possibilities, and that really shaped what VR Church is today. And um, those early experiences uh, were so powerful. And yeah, we, we only had five people come that first service. Uh, maybe for a physical church planner, they would be devastated that only five people came to their physical church you know, first service. But for me, I was so excited. Um, and it grew over the year. Um, and it was about May of 2017 where we had a significant shift. It was a little psychological shift where we said, Uh, people were starting to gather, volunteers, leaders were starting to develop. We got together and we said, you know what? This is no different than any physical church that's out there in in your town, in your city, and we need to treat it that way. Once we made that little shift in our brains, that's when VR Church started to take off. And uh, we've just been growing ever since. And when you think of VR Church, it's, it's less of one church, but more like a church planting movement. And so fundamentally, our heart in our ministry is to plant churches across the metaverse. And for those that, that might be confusing, you can think of it like, you know, we have Tokyo and Paris and Sydney. We have all these, you know, major cities of the world. Well, the metaverse is going to, it has their own versions of those virtual cities, cities like uh, VR Chat, Altspace VR, 
rec room. And so those are the cities of the future, and we are planting churches in those virtual cities. DJ, some will be thinking, this is just a novelty, isn't it? Isn't this playing church around the edges, just being online in a fun environment and, uh, you know, using artificial intelligence and the new ways that technology is developing. Uh, how do you respond to the thought that maybe this is just a novelty experience and, you know, and for some they'll be thinking, well, isn't this just going to be a passing fad? But it seems to be, to me, this is here to stay and it's a big new expression. What are your thoughts for people who think it's just a novelty? Yeah, you know, like I said before, I can completely understand that looking back at church history saying, you know, I've never seen this before. Uh, but, and also, when people do visit, their attitudes begin to change. But I think the thing is, when we look at what VR Church is, it really is not that different in many ways than the church that you are experiencing in your hometown. You go, maybe there's greeters, maybe there's fellowship before, there's a sermon, there's prayer, there's discipleship classes. You know, there's all these things that we associate with the church experience, and those are the things that you experience in an immersive, three-dimensional setting in VR. So you you spawn into the, the, the building or the the world that we inhabit our church in. You know, you'll see people wave and give each other hugs and high fives. It resembles the physical world, but even though it's in virtual reality. And even though it's only, you know, 2016 to now in 2022, in that short amount of time, there has been leaps and bounds in the technology. Uh, the VR is getting cheaper. The avatars are becoming more sophisticated. Earlier, avatars were blocky, you know, with beady eyes. But now they're becoming expressive. And uh, there's algorithms that are creating character expressions. From what I understand, future VR headsets are going to be able to scan your face. So as you raise your eyelids or you smile and your cheekbones raise up, your avatar is going to reflect that as well. So it's only be it's only going to become more immersive and more real. And I think once people start to experience that, their attitudes are going to change. But I think I, I do understand that when somebody has a first glimpse of that, there's probably a negative reaction. But I think that when they see what's being done, the experiences that we're having, eventually the attitudes are going to change. We said we'd talk about new terminologies, and uh, we've touched on a few of those, and uh, for some that might need a little enlarging, but if we're describing the way the web is changing, and I know that there's some terminology like Web 1.0 or Web 2.0 or Web 3.0, how do you describe how this internet uh, change and development has happened over the years and where we're at right now. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch to see how, you know, when you, when you think of the, the, in terms of human history, you know, the internet and computing is very small um, when we c consider the whole scope. Uh, but, you know, Web 1, um, you know, and I know there's more uh, profound definitions, but Web 1 was essentially read-only, just kind of reading things. It's maybe a brochure. Web 2 introduced interactivity, um, where we're interacting with the data, we're messaging, we're video chatting. Um, it, it, you know, nothing short of a revolution in Web 2. But now Web 3... Eh, Maybe this isn't the best way to describe it, but now we're inside the computer, which might be jarring to hear, but there's this immersive aspect where we're interacting with the data um, as if we were inside the computer. And I think that's significant. So it reflects uh, Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, but also a new computing paradigm. So the first computing paradigm was DOS. I don't know if there's any listeners out there that used to tinker around with DOS. You know, that was the first time we interacted with the first computing paradigm. And then the second computing paradigm was, you know, 
interface with uh, the keyboard and the mouse, uh, windows, everything became graphical. Uh, the third computing paradigm was the smartphone. Again, like we mentioned before, nothing short of a revolution. But now this fourth computing paradigm, which you could also call the Web3 is coming, and that's when we're inside the computer. We are interacting with data in immersive ways. It's not just a video chat. We're in a 3D dimensional world with avatars from all over the world. So we are at the beginning of this, and I know it's jarring for some, but um, it's going to be fascinating to see where this ends up because uh, what we've experienced has been very compelling. So we're on the edge of a new era, and uh, I've heard this described as a continual democratization of the internet that will be marked by a convergence of technological innovations like crypto and virtual reality and artificial intelligence, crafting a more immersive and decentralized experience that focuses on the individual and communities. Uh, now, interesting, a lot of terminology in there, but uh, but this is a new era, and those things do make sense when we put all those things together that we've been hearing about. Yeah, and, and I believe that uh, many of these are disruptive in, in, in very good ways, and I think it's going to take some time for us to wrap our brain around. Just take the crypt cryptocurrency in and of itself. You know, wrapping your, your brain around, wait, I'm going to buy money and it doesn't exist in a physical form. It's out there in ones and zeros. Uh, there's the, the topic of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, where I purchase a piece of art, but it doesn't exist in the physical world. But through the matrix code, there's a sense of ownership with that NFT. So I have several NFTs that I own. And um, it, there's this brave new world that's coming. And I think just like any technology throughout the years, we stare at something when it's birthed. And we go, that looks strange, whether it was the Model T car, the very first computer taking up rooms, the internet, which was making noise when you did the dial up. You know, all these things are very odd and strange at the first. But then we have this um, zoomed out view to see those, the evolution and the diffusion of that innovation. And that's the same thing that's going to happen. We're kind of having our knee jerk reaction towards these technologies that just make us feel uncomfortable. But there's some um, powerful technologies, very transformational, groundbreaking, especially when you think of it in terms of blockchain, uh, NFT, and where that's leading is going to be something that's going to be very powerful. It's going to empower the individual because of the decentralization of those experiences. There's not going to be a middleman. You don't have to go to the bank. You are the bank. Um, and so that's just an example of many things. And also how that relates to the church. It's going to be very disruptive. I think people, you know, by 2030 are going to expect the church to have adopted the blockchain and the metaverse and NFTs and um, to the degree that that's how they want to interact with the church. And so that evolution's coming. It's going to take some time. Um, but I think once we get past this first little, uh, you know, the challenge of our initial reaction, I think then we'll start to see the power of the innovation and the techno technological revolution that's coming. DJ, how has this worked for you in developing the presence of church in this new uh, metaverse space? Do you have like a team of developers who are working with you and they're, uh, you know, they're crunching code and all sorts of things to develop uh, some of the foundations for this new technology? How does that work for you? And, uh, you know, if we're thinking about how we might do that in our own church environment in different places all around Australia, how does that work? Yeah, I, I love that question because when people, you know, they talk to me, they, they think that I'm, you know, a, a coder, I'm a modeler, and I don't know code. I don't know any of these uh, fancy 3D modeling programs like Unity. Uh, 
And what's neat about the metaverse is oftentimes these platforms have in-world tools where you don't need to know a lick of coding, but you're able to grab a tree from a, a library, pull it out with your hands, resize it to how big you want the tree want it, how big you want the tree, and then you lay it down exactly where you want, like as if you were physically doing it, but you're doing it in VR. So what that does is that reflects Web3, that reflects, you know, this empowerment of the individual. And really, when I think about my world build team who creates these amazing worlds, I'm talking like Moses in the Red Sea, we're walking through it, the water's coming down, we walk up to the burning bush, there's animated fire. Many of these people are not technical, they don't you know, no coding or, or development, but the in-world tools that these platforms are creating to empower us um, allow them to be very creative and very innovative. So it's fun to see, you know, one of our builders was is a mailman from the Netherlands. Another one is a college student in the UK. Uh, one is home, uh, a homebound individual in, in Washington state. And so it's so beautiful and eclectic and the platforms are, are very powerful and to that regard. So on a weekly basis, we are building worlds that reflect the scripture. Um, and that could be anything from, you know, the resurrection, um, the walking the hill to, of Golgotha. And all those are created by just regular people like you and me. It's very, it's very powerful. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you along with us. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is DJ Soto. DJ is Bishop of Virtual Reality Church and MMO Church. We are talking about futuristic expressions of church. And DJ, we've talked a little bit about technical aspects and got our head around some of the terminology. But there must be lots of personal stories of people who have entered into a, a new environment of church life. I wonder whether you've got a, a story or two to be able to share with us about how people have been able to respond to virtual reality church. Yes, I, I love that question because it re- just reflects what I love about VR church, and it's the people, it's the community. Uh, the volunteers um, have do, do an amazing job to create these unique experiences that, frankly, the world has never seen before, and they do that on a weekly basis. And I just think about the stories of people who come to our church because, you know, we get a lot of critics. They say, you know, church should be a physical Sunday morning thing. And by the way, this isn't an anti-physical movement. It's just serving so many people that physically can't attend church. I had one one church leader say, why can't people attend church? And as I've been doing this, I've discovered there are a million reasons why. It could be a severe social anxiety. Perhaps someone is homebound. Um, there are so many reasons. Uh, an ind- individual who uh, is a trucker attends our church when he can, and somebody's in the U.S. military. And so I see all these stories from all across the world, and it just is so encouraging to see how VR Church, a church in the metaverse, can create a spiritual community for many people who, frankly, have been forgotten by the church. You know, how do we help these people who are, are homebound, not just watch a service, which is great, maybe you have a little chat interface, but how can they experience church? And that's what the metaverse church is going to do. It's really empowering. It's enabling. And uh, there's so many stories that, that are so beautiful to think about. And I think of one uh, gentleman in the UK, um, let's just call him Stephen. And uh, you know, I used to hear that he would have trouble speaking, but I never really asked him about it. And come to find out he had a disability, but I didn't know that at all. 
But when I saw Steven, we would run around the metaverse. Sometimes I was one time uh, after church where we got into this F1 race car world and we were racing around. And I was like, Steven, come here, jump in the car. And he jumped in and we raced around and then he would drive. And I'm like, watch out, Steven, we're going to crash. And then we were running around all over the metaverse. It had no idea that his body was physically limited. But in the metaverse, his body is free. He inhabits a new body and he's able to run, walk. He's part of our uh, greeting team, uh, welcoming people. And so that's just a glimpse of many stories of how powerful the metaverse can be. And, you know, it's an encouraging story for churches not to look at this as a fearful thing. You know, this isn't, um, you know, an anti-physical attitude. But it's just, man, we can enhance and expand our services as a church beyond our walls. And I think that's powerful. I think listeners might be familiar with the movie Avatar. And uh, the main character in there, of course, had a disability. And uh, when he was in his Avatar, he was free uh, to go all over the place and, uh, you know, incredible things that you're able to do. Is this the future by way of people getting free from some of the things that might be a constraint to them? Because uh, avatars, and there might be a good side and a bad side to avatars, but you've described a very, very good side there. Is there, uh, yeah. is there a bad side too, DJ, where you might be hiding behind the mask uh, that an avatar mm-hmm. creates? Uh, any thoughts here? Yeah, and yes, but I don't think, I, I do think that there is going to be some negative things, but I don't think that's necessarily related to, you know, the metaverse itself. I think all technologies bring an unintended consequence. You know, you just take the, the advancement of the automobile. It's a great advancement that we would never take away, but, you know, you know, in the U.S. at least, I think there's over 30,000 people that will die from a motorcycle accident. So there's these unintended things that we don't want, um, some negative aspects, whether it's social media, Uh, whether it's streaming, whether it's the internet in general. So for sure, I'm sure there's going to be some things about the metaverse that are not going to be favorable. But I think as a society, we've been growing in our digital intelligence to realize that we really need to put limits, you know, perhaps, you know, let's not spend five, allow our child to spend five hours in the metaverse. You know, we're we're understanding limits, we're understanding these um, things that we can encourage people with uh, digital well-being. And so um, I think that is related to the metaverse, and we are going to see some negative things, but I think it's all technologies are like that. And so it's just a matter of using it well, just like we would use anything. There's also the thought that some will polarise these things and say, well, there's physical church and there's metaverse church and uh, ne'er the twain shall meet. But there must be a sense in which people who connect in a metaverse environment also have connections to the physical environment of their local community or a physical church that they are attending as well. So how do you see a crossover here, DJ? Well, that, that would be beautiful to see the hybrid model, um, you know, emerge where a physical church also has a metaverse campus, whether they, ha- you know, hire a metaverse pastor. Uh, one of my friends here in the U.S. in California, they, they, that's a title for one of their pastors, metaverse pastor. And so I would love to see that uh, be a new title amongst churches. I know it's new. I know it's scary. But to create those metaverse experiences for your church family. You know, people are traveling away for sports, jobs, they're sick, but they're still able to interact with your church in an immersive environment. And so um, I think the hybrid model is a great place to start aiming for. 
My suspicion is that as things develop, and as you say, there are different expressions that are developing around the world in cities, and uh, cities and nations have their own cultures. Uh, Are some of these metaverse church expressions going to still reflect the culture of the pastor who's leading that particular metaverse expression? Say if you're in India or if you're in China or if you're in the UK, uh, you've got uh, different expressions, different cultures, different needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, those sorts of things coming through? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, as much as we would love to, you know, say VR Church is eclectic, and it certainly is, but it does reflect our leadership style, uh, our our expression. And uh, we've seen other metaverse churches that are coming into the space, and they are expressing themselves differently. So that's a great sign that we're not all the same, that leadership are able to to fashion and to form their community in the way they think is best. And so I don't think you know, people need to worry about that they're going to lose maybe national identity, maybe culture. I think that can be infused and even enhanced to the metaverse. Maybe there's particular things about a church in India that would be different about, a, say, a church in the U.S., and they can create the world to reflect that. And I would love to visit that because that's only enhancing to me to discover, oh, this is what church is like here in India, and this is how you express it visually and uh, through different aspects. So I do think um, it's going to promote diversity and it's going to promote an eclectic experience. And it's, I think it's going to be really good. No doubt you could be visiting one meta church experience one week and you could decide to visit another meta church experience in another nation. So you've got the opportunity to uh, traverse cultures, traverse nations. And uh, I wonder whether even meeting needs specifically locally in other places that you might be able to connect people in one nation with the needs in another. Can that happen as well? Oh, absolutely. We've had um, individuals who were part of our Metaverse Church connect with the physical church. I think of an individual from the Netherlands, um, we'll call his name Peter, and he um, is connected with the physical church that he wasn't there before. And I think that's powerful. It's beautiful. I think if we start to look look at the Metaverse ministry as less of a competition and a more as an enhancement and an opportunity, then it gives us the freedom to connect people like Peter to churches that, that are in their area. But if we have the attitude of this in competition, then maybe Peter would have never connected. And so I think to come in with a an attitude that has a that loosens the grip on this whole conversation and had to come in really open is going to set the tone for some powerful ministry to come. Uh, some expressions that have come from a Facebook post that we have today. Marion says, I'm sorry, but this surely isn't going to be the way of church. Maybe it's a thought, a possibility, but not for me. Cameron says, certainly does sound like the church of the future, but after the rapture. <laughs> so uh, a thought or two in there that uh, <laughs> it's not going to be right for everybody. We will obviously have some levels of loyalty to the traditional way we've known church. And, and then uh, Cameron and his expression, the thought that, uh, well, this might happen in a day when maybe you can't meet together <laughs> physically. Any thoughts around those, yeah. those comments? Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think you know. I think that's great. Like, it's a great comment that you know the, the, this metaverse church might not be for everyone. If it's not for them, then that something else is for them. But you see that reflected in the physical church. Like, some people like the mega church, the lights, the smoke. Some people are very turned off by that. They want the more traditional, the pews, the stained glass, uh, or the uh, the hymns, or the st- stained glass windows. And so, 
even before you introduce the idea of the metaverse, people's preference, their attitude towards church is very eclectic and very diverse. And then you just bring in the metaverse into that conversation. And I think it only kind of creates a more an expanded view of the opportunities and you know, preferences that people may have or, or might not have. And, you know, for, you know, someone like Cameron, who's thinking this is more end times, mark of the beast, that's, you know, not what we've experienced with the metaverse. If anything, the decentralized attitude really puts it outside of government control. And so um, when you think of blockchain and the metaverse and cryptocurrency, I, for us and my, my experience and my perspective, it isn't um, a scary thing to engage in. That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, those who will have fear of artificial intelligence taking over for evil things, uh, whereas uh, innovators today, if you're thinking about these things and the church, the way it might look into the future, are using the technology for good. This is a different way. And some people are you know, typically pessimistic, others are looking to innovate and do the good things. Yeah, and I love that. And, you know, one of our the cities that we're in is, you know, just kind of going to keep it broad in its description, is has can have some dark moments. It can be a dark, trolley place. Um, and some people have said, why are you there? And I said, you just answered your own question, because it sometimes can be a dark place. And so we want to be a light in the darkness. We were reading that this in, in Matthew chapter 5. We are the light of the world. So if let's imagine for a minute that maybe the metaverse is this dark place. You know, I, I would say it's not. But let's imagine if it was. Well, what better place to plant a church to shine the light than in a dark place? And I think that's something we need to really chew on and think about as we move forward. DJ, let's come back to avatars for a few moments because people can tend to have a feeling that avatars are like a mask that people hide behind. What's been your experience about authenticity of people who are appearing in church, but they're appearing in the form of an avatar? Yeah, I think that's one of the, when I talk to church leaders, that's one of the main concerns. Won't people be fake? Won't they change who they are? Actually, we find it to be the opposite. There's something about the anonymity of the avatar that leads to deep authenticity. And so we see that in those interactions that we're interacting at a deep, authentic level. And it's something that I've, um, it's hard to explain and you have to experience. Well, one story, after church one time, uh, I had a friend observing VR Church and a young man from Boston came up and started talking to me and immediately went into, you know, struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression and all these things. Later on, my friend was like, he just started opening up to you right away. And by that time, it had become very normal to me. But when I zoom out and think about it, there's so many interactions like that. I think there's a safety, perhaps, that people feel with that anonymity of that avatar, where they're able to get down to the real heart, authentic issues. So it's the opposite of fake. They're not coming in fake um, any more than someone would come in the physical church acting fake, you know, putting out their best self that, you know, maybe there's issues going on inside. Uh, No more than that, no less. It's just people having relationships, discipleships, connection. And I think that's a surprising thing that when church leaders discover um, when that's how the metaverse is. So there's an advantage there because if someone is in church under their avatar, their honesty or dealing with some of those deeper issues that you might try and suppress and you might try and hide, uh, some of those sins of the heart that you don't easily talk about, face-to-face, that people are actually more open in an avatar sense. 
Absolutely. Yeah, they just feel that sense of safety. Um, they don't. There's not that judgmentalism that sometimes can creep into our church. And certainly that can come in in any setting, whether it's digital or, or physical. Uh, but there is something unique that when you cultivate an inclusive atmosphere and you combine that with the technology of the metaverse and the avatars, man, it's a really a beautiful expression for people to really connect in levels that we haven't seen in a while. I think social media and Web2, while great and there's aspects that we love, has caused us to maybe pull back a little bit, kind of maybe hide ourselves, can't put ourselves too much out there. And fair enough, we've seen what social media can do. And I think Web3 and the metaverse and in VR and avatars are going to redeem that a little bit. It's not going to be the savior salvation. That's not, I'm not saying to that degree, but I think it's going to have a very positive impact that we haven't seen before. DJ, what about the power of the proclamation of the Christian gospel? And uh, lots of us will be familiar with the proclamation of the gospel and then a heart contrite before God, a repentant uh, coming to Christ. Uh, a new life uh, begins in a moment when someone has experienced a new birth. How does the power of the proclamation of the gospel fit uh, in a metaverse environment? Yeah, I love that because one of our very first service, I remember someone attending and saying, um, I don't, you know, I don't believe he identified with, you know, the Christian faith, but he says, you know, I feel something here. And what that meant to me in that moment, uh, maybe he didn't have the words for it. And I was like, man, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking to that individual. And, you know, maybe there's some, that's incredulous. How could that be? But when you think about God, we say he's omnipresent. We say he's everywhere. That's a major Christian doctrine. Is, is he in the spiritual realm? Yes, the physical realms that we might not even know about. Does he inhabit the digital space? Absolutely. Why would that be a limiting aspect to this omnipotent God? Um, and so I think in, when we think of those... Um, when we think of that, that aspect of Christ and of God and his power to be used in any sense, when we, we're proclaiming the gospel, we're telling people about God's love for them to put their faith in God and people sense that spirit, whether they're in a physical church or they're in the metaverse, God is still doing that work in any of those dimensions. And so the gospel is not limited and it transcends any limits that we put on it, and it's going to go where it will, including the metaverse. Perhaps we can touch on some of the theological issues, and I know you don't uh, pretend that everything is perfect uh, in this space uh, online, but uh, some theological issues. I think we sort of talked a little bit about uh, the way that you might have a gathering of physical people, and whether that uh, is something that is biblical if you take a, a virtual uh, gathering of people and whether that's the same. But uh, some, some will say uh, Jesus didn't come virtually through an avatar. He came in person. So the thoughts that you want to keep an authentic biblical expression here, uh, theological issues. Uh, I mean, there might be some other ones you've come out with, but, uh, but what are your thoughts here for people who might have those concerns? Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, again, when we look back at church history, we're struggling with that. We're struggling with something that we, a form and fashion we've seen for so long, and then now we're, we're changing the form and fashion a little bit. And I do think that's a jarring experience. But you know what? It goes back to these experiences that we're having with people who are homebound, people who can't physically attend church, you know, severe social anxiety, like I mentioned before. And I don't think it's my place to say you're not experiencing real church or real spirituality. I think that would be, for me, taking it too far because they certainly are. And I think if 
when you look at the motivation of what we're doing, it's not to pull people away from pews on a Sunday morning. It's to provide people an opportunity who wouldn't have an opportunity to go to a pew on a Sunday morning. And so I think, you know, that should be celebrated. And I think that's beautiful. So I think our theology is going to develop and evolve. And we've seen that, by the way. Uh, Pre-COVID, there was, you know, an, an attitude that said, you know, church has to be physical, it can't be online. Uh, once COVID started, you know, going into full gear, I saw theology changing in real time. Within a couple of weeks, I saw that. And so what I noticed about that, and this is a difficult conversation to have, is that usually we would say our theology shapes our experience. But what we saw with COVID was the experience shaped our theology. And there are leaders and churches, great churches, by the way, uh, that I was you know, connected with who would not do anything online. We're all of a sudden having church online and calling it church online, right? So it's amazing to see how that experience has shaped that theology. And so that's we're only going to see more of that. And really, for churches to evolve into Web3, to be the church of 2030, they need to open their minds and their spirits up to the possibilities. And we mentioned the hybrid model of being a part of a metaverse church, but also having a physical involvement in a local church in your community, because another, I guess, theological issue at hand is that any mission endeavor, whether it's local or whether it's international, it still needs embodiment. It still needs to be connecting with people in a physical way. So uh, there's a certain sense in which it, it actually has to overflow into some physical involvement with people. Yeah, I, I do believe that's true. And oftentimes, you know, people say, well, what about meet, meeting the physical needs of others? And so uh, we've done that, and we have to think creatively. So, for example, uh, we had an individual in a, in a different state who needed a meal made. Now, we don't have anybody near her, near her to make the meal and take it over, and that's a good thing that churches do and should continue to do. So what do we do? Uh, we used Uber Eats, and we delivered a meal to her, um, and we connected with her online. And so, yes, I do think there are some physical things that are really important and that should be maintained, but I don't think that it should be looked as to say, well, you can't meet physical needs uh, in the metaverse, when we act absolutely can. And it's just a matter of creativity and innovation to think about how can we connect with individuals. And we've seen people come together physically, people from VR Church come together, um, like in a small group setting, you know, kind of like a, a meetup, if you will. And that's beautiful to see how this uh, metaverse experience is starting to, to bleed and transfer into physical aspects. And I think when you um, unshackle the attitude that says you can't meet physical needs in the metaverse, when you lose that a little bit, then you start to get really creative about how you can. And I think it's exciting for the community to see that because they're, they're also part of something that becomes physically tangible. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. To join our conversation, let's take a call. Julie is in Outback Queensland. Hi, Julie. Welcome. Oh, hi, and hello to your guest. Look, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. I think you're doing a really good thing. And this is coming from someone who has been told they're a noob. I have no technology in my life. I can only make a phone call and read a text. I've been very unwell for years. There is no physical church. There is only three physical people in my life. And I think this is a really lovely thing. I'm sorry that I'm not able to join in and be part of it. But I am sure that you are doing something good. And anywhere the true gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, anywhere minds are renewed with the clear water of the word, and anywhere hearts 
are made new by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God. It's got to be something good. Julie, wonderful to hear from you, and thank you so much for sharing your heart there. You raised something so beautifully important. Not everybody is technologically minded and might be able to create an avatar and be a part of an online metaverse church, but there might be someone you know who can help you to connect in that way. DJ, your thoughts for Julie? Oh, man. Uh, Julie, I loved what you said, and I'm just going to be just transparent and honest with you. It really touched me very deeply. Uh, Just really meant a lot to hear those words. And um, what Julie is right, like, uh, let's take one of my friends who's who's now a pastor of your church. Her name is Alina. Uh, She has a testimony that says, uh, you know, I've been homebound for 10 years, since over 10 years, since 2010. And there was no relationships, there was con- no connections, no friends, no nothing. But now she's part of this community that she hadn't had before. And man, I wish people could see that. The naysayers, the haters, the people that are have this maybe a theological reaction could see that story, could he- hear um, what's reflected in Julie's voice and her spirit, and see what's reflected in the heart of Alina, to see what the power of this technology to be able to enhance the church experience. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's powerful. And Julie, uh, thank you so much for saying that. I think it really reflects uh, uh, much of what we do. And just a quick thought. um, It is intimidating, right? You're thinking of virtual reality, getting a headset on, internet set up. But it won't be too long before this becomes more user-friendly than it is. Like, you know, our grandparents are, are rocking smartphones and posting on Facebook. You know, we never thought we'd see that. So it's only a matter of time before, you know, maybe VR is a real, like a pair of glasses and it's easy as an iPhone and you just put it on and you're able to interact. And so um, I think that technology is going to take some time, but it's going to get to the point where it's more usable, it's cheaper, it's user-friendly, and one day you're going to walk in the room and grandma is in VR in the metaverse. And so that day is coming. Hey, Julie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, a comment, even a critique for our conversation. Hey, DJ, let me ask you a ticklish one here because, uh, you know, there's this thought that uh, if I come to Christ in my avatar, did my avatar get saved or did I? Or uh, can you be baptized virtually uh, in your metaverse church? And if you did get baptized virtually, did you really get baptized physically? Uh, Any thoughts here? I mean, these are some of the sort of gray areas, no doubt. Yeah, it's the deep end of the pool if you want to get into it. But, you know, I think if someone, you know, calls out to God from their avatar and they're praying to him, uh, they're putting their faith, they're calling out um, in the spirit of Christ. I, I, God hears them. You know, you think about uh, Billy Graham and these crusades, and you could call this 1-800 number and to connect with somebody over the phone to talk about salvation. Was that any less real? Because they weren't there physically at the crusade. They saw it on a television stream and or you know on television, and now they're on a phone call. Did that negate the interaction with the Spirit? I don't think so, and I don't think any of us would say that. So if you take that little concept and apply it to the metaverse, an avatar interacting with God uh, by faith and, you know, just 
uh, crying out to him, I think is heard just as much as someone else would be. And so I think that's um, powerful to think about. Um, yeah, we can talk about baptisms. Is that we want to get into that? That's a whole other, you know, a big topic to get into because we do do uh, virtual baptisms. We've done that for several years. Like uh, Alina, who I mentioned, uh, she was baptized in VR. And for some, you know, baptism is more of like a literal, you know, that water, you know, transmutes grace. For us, our theological uh, perspective is that it's symbolic. And so in the spirit of that symbolism, uh, we would take, uh, we will baptize people with water. Now, the water is not H2O. The water is ones and zeros. Uh, but people are experiencing going under the water. And in virtual reality, it feels so real. And that's what the, the term you're going to hear oftentimes. So it feels real. It feels like I was there. And when someone gets baptized in VR, it, it feels like they went under the water and they came right back up. And again, for those who are maybe hesitant, and fair enough, we haven't seen this before, but if you're hesitant, think about like Alina and all these individuals who would never have gotten baptized, but now they're able to in virtual reality. And so, yeah, that's, it's going to be a, a conversation for years to come, for sure, um, from that theological perspective. And a good thing to be able to talk through the issue. Hey, let's come back to volunteers for a few moments. Earlier on, you said you need just as many volunteers in an online virtual reality church as you do in a physical one. Uh, Gary says in a comment online, he says, uh, not sure how that works. What's the point? There's nothing like physically meeting together and functioning like the body of Christ. Now, when we talk about the body of Christ, we might talk about people who are functioning in their gifting. And uh, you might have any some thoughts here about the sorts of people who are volunteering, because is there opportunity for expressions in all of the giftings that we might read about, you know, with Paul and his advice to how the church functions and people with their various gifts? Mm -hmm. Thoughts here, DJ? Yeah. I'm very passionate about spiritual gifts, and if you were to attend VR Church for any length of time, as soon as we start talking about spiritual gifts, that gets me most excited to help people discover what their gift is, empower them to be able to live that out, to discover why God has them here on earth. Man, that's a passion of mine. And so when it comes to the metaverse, there's nothing different about that. It maybe even enhances us in, other, in many areas where we're helping people guide them through that. And so when you think of a volunteer level, kind of switch to the volunteer aspect, um, man, the VR church is full of volunteers. It, is, it has gone way beyond me in the early days when I just used to preach you know, by myself and set up the services by myself. Now we have an army of volunteers who do everything from social media. They stream our services. They build worlds. They're greeters. They're part of the prayer team. Really, think about all the volunteers you would need at, at church. You need those in virtual reality. You need those in the metaverse. And so there isn't much difference. And there is small differences, I suppose, when you think of the technological side of it. But really, at the core, uh, we're providing people an opportunity to connect spiritually. And so all the services that a physical church provide is what a metaverse church provides as well. And so it's about connecting with the community, seeing who wants to volunteer, discovering their gifts, and empowering them to live out uh, that calling that God has for them. Another ticklish one. Let me just touch on this and perhaps not get into it too deeply, but fears of artificial intelligence. And at a time when artificial intelligence is growing just so dramatically, some people fear artificial intelligence will take over control of humanity. This risk of taking over and a movement that somehow looks to enhance the human condition by developing all sort of sophisticated technologies 
even affecting our mood, our cognitive abilities. The thought that becoming one with the machine means that we might lose control of who we are as persons uh, to the idea of a machine taking over. Uh, I think it's it's considered uh, transhumanism uh, as one of the risks for where artificial intelligence might go. Any thoughts here, DJ? Yeah, or, you know, artificial intelligence, that's a big topic. I mean, you see Mark Zuckerberg taking a view that's opposite than Elon Musk. And I can see how that's a concern. We have these movies with, you know, Will Smith and iRobot and the robots taking over. And so, you know, I think that when we think of the future, um, you know, there's always cautionary tales. Like I mentioned, all the technology that has come before and how we just need to use it well. And so I think that's the same thing, whether it's the metaverse, whether it's AI, you know, whether it's the use of robotics and AI and the blockchain, I think it's still that value of coming in as a society and agreeing on these are the good things about it. These are the bad things about it. Let's let's take a, a look at social media. We love this about social media. This needs to be reformatted or renewed. And so as we're going into these technologies, we still need those values. Um, and so, and I think that, you know, we don't take criticism negatively when it comes to VR and the metaverse, because we want to look objectively at these new things that are coming out so we can use them well. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. DJ, there'll no doubt be some listeners who would love to connect with you and uh, what you're doing with VR Church at vrchurch.org, also MMO Church. And uh, for listeners who want to connect, I know that you do webinars and teaching people how to get started. So you mentioned that there is an expression in Sydney, Australia. Uh, are there others in Australia? Can there be a virtual reality church in every city, town or suburb? Uh, what's the possibility here and, and how would people get started? Yes, uh, you're, you're mentioning the webinar. That's uh, coming up uh, this Thursday, the 10th. Um, it's at 1 p.m. Eastern. And yeah, we're encouraging everyone to attend that webinar because we're receiving all these requests from all across the world. How do we start a metaverse church here in Singapore? Uh, we're in New Zealand. How do we start this metaverse church? And so unfortunately, we can't connect with each individual person like we used to. So we said, hey, let's create a webinar. And the title of the webinar is How to Launch a Metaverse Church in Three Days. So that comes from when we started VR Church. Uh, we discovered the metaverse on a Friday and we launched VR Church three days later. So it's not clickbait. It's this idea that this can be done and really encouraging ministries, individuals to really dive in and to explore. So the webinar is very basic for so you Web3 proficient individuals out there. Uh, this is just ground level stuff, introducing topics and ideas, um, showing some videos about how things can be done. And I think that's going to serve church, church leaders, even business leaders are, are totally welcome to start to understand what this world is about, to become less fearful of it, to really think about, oh man, these are some possibilities that we can get into. Um, and so, yeah, our our church wants to empower people in their ministry and to educate them and to encourage them. I mentioned vrchurch.org. Is that the best place to connect with you, DJ? Yes, vrchurch.org is a great place to uh, just learn about our ministry. Um, There's a guide there, like, man, how do we even do this? So we'll take you through a three-step, you know, which headset we recommend buying, which um, church to attend, because we're across different platforms, but we say, hey, go to this platform uh, first. And then uh, we also provide, like, guides. Like, if you want to attend, you know, we can provide a guide that would meet you and bring you into the space. 
at vrchurch.org, there's also the link to the webinar there. And also our Discord, which you know is our social media that we use to connect with the community. So feel free to join our Discord. Everyone's invited. Wonderful. I suspect every single person listening, whether you feel like you've got the capability of doing this or not, you'll know someone who is in a gaming environment, someone who's growing in their faith, someone who's looking for an expression of how their gift can be used into the future. Well, with the artificial intelligence development and church in the metaverse, here's an opportunity for passing on, an opportunity for those, perhaps young people, to be involved in something that might be a vision for for the future. And so that's uh, that webinar coming up, how to launch a metaverse church in three days happening on Thursday. That's US time, 1 p.m. Eastern in the US. You might have to do some time zone uh, calculations to find out when that works. But vrchurch.org, that's how you'd find out to be a part of that webinar and how you can get something started in your own community. Uh, for a virtual reality church. DJ Soto is the Bishop of Virtual Reality Church and MMO Church. Uh, DJ, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with listeners today on 2020. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, we are living in the best of times to experience this innovation, so really excited to come here and share a little bit about it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.